Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus Taught Me That podcast. Today, we are in our Tough Question series where we ask questions about Jesus and about who he is. For this series, we will be talking to Zach Jackson, pastor, theology professor, podcast host. He also operates his own science and faith blog, is an organizer of his denomination, Science and Technology Network, and I am looking forward to doing this series with him. Some of the questions we ask through this series may be related to theology. And of course, anytime you talk about theology, people can have different perspectives. If you have some questions, I want to give you a way that you can ask those questions. If you visit our page at befunbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that, you should find a way to contact us and send us your question. We want to do our best to answer those for you or connect you with someone who can. All right, let's get into today's question. Zach, I appreciate you coming on for some tough questions about Jesus and more about the Christian faith in general. The next question I have is in relation to a terminology in the Christian community called the hypostatic union and really dives into sort of the Son of God and interpreting that. So let me ask this kind of in two parts, and then you can unpack this however you want to. Can you maybe just explain what the hypostatic union is in general, and then can you maybe help us understand a little bit of the terminologies used in the Son of God versus maybe what that would mean to just referring to Jesus as God? Are those both the same? Is there a difference? Unpack that however you want to. I love how much you respect your audience, that you are going to throw out some giant, deep, like, third-year seminary term, like hypostatic union. I'm into it. So, let's see, the best way to break this down would be, this was one of the causes of one of the earliest splits in the church. Um, In trying to figure out how this guy, Jesus, who came here, who was a dude that we all knew, he was just a guy. He was born in Bethlehem. He had a job. He had hair. He probably had a eye color. How can we explain that this person is also God? And so one of the ways that was explained early on was that person that we knew of as Jesus, this dude, he was just a perfect vessel for God to be poured into. This guy was just a super great mason jar that could care, that could hold the divine within it. And then we could all take a drink as it went around. And that was, that helped to explain it for some people because it still allowed there to be some separation because people in those days were very influenced by Plato and, and other philosophers who taught that this very strong dualism between the body, the things, the fleshy things of this world are very bad. They're broken. And the spirit, the realm of God, heaven, you might think of it, the spiritual beings, that is the true world. We're going to leave this mortal coil behind and then ascend to our truth. And so they had a hard time thinking about how God, the perfect God, could fit into a vessel on earth. So they had all these different metaphors that they thought of, like I just said, like something that just got poured in. And so it was untainted by the container itself. But one of the radical ideas that ended up being the Orthodox theology in the fourth or fifth centuries was that no, Jesus, the person, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus with flesh and blood was not just a really great cup for the divine to be poured into, but that he was in some way, shape, or form, perhaps in a way filled with mystery that we'll never fully understand, God 
incarnate, that the flesh of Jesus was divine, which you have to understand. If you're in a world that so strongly separates spirit and body, physical and uh, spiritual, that to say that was just unheard of. That's almost heretical. To even imagine such a thing, ugh, it's gross, it's yucky. But they insisted because it was so important that God, and as we know God, and Jesus as was manifested, are of one substance. And that is what that hypostatic union means, of one substance. Because then the death of Jesus becomes a lot more real. If you didn't just break the mason jar, but you killed God, that has a lot more gravity. And then if God himself came back in physical form afterwards and touched my hands, touched my, my body, instead of just glued together the pieces of a mason jar, that's a big deal. And that has huge implications for then the scriptures that teach us that just as we are baptized in his death, so too we're baptized in his resurrection, that we then become heirs. Not only is it that God became humanity, but that humanity then becomes God. That is, oh, who was that? Athanasius. St. Athanasius said that God became human so that human might become God. And that idea of apotheosis, I think it's the fancy seminary word, became so central that they had to come up with really complicated doctrines that you either had to sign on to or be kicked out of the church in the earliest days because this was such an important point. They didn't want that the realness of Jesus, the realness of the resurrection, the immediacy of the thing now in this body, in this world, in this earth, and not just in some future spiritual reality. That was so important. They had to hold on to that. And so that's why they made such a big deal out of it back then. And why is that phrase used instead of just referring to Jesus as God? In some ways, they didn't believe that Jesus, that God became Jesus. You have to have, if you're going to have a Trinity that exists outside of space and time, the three members of the Trinity have to also exist outside of space and time. And so if God became Jesus and Jesus is God, then there was a time when Jesus was not God before he was born. Then God split like an amoeba. And that's not good theology. So we came up with the idea that the Son of God, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, these kind of imperfect human ways of talking about a divine reality that we cannot fully explain, a mystery that requires words despite the fact that we know we can't contain it, preexisted Jesus. So there was a time when Jesus was not, but there was always a time when the Son of God was. And the Son of God became incarnate as Jesus Christ who then ascended back to heaven forever having been changed. And so you can still speak of Jesus as still existing or speak of the Son of God in in the same way without getting burned at the stake in the 5th century. I appreciate that explanation. This has been really great, Zach. I appreciate you coming on. I know it's been meaningful for me. And so thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us in this series as we explore more about who Jesus is. So much in our society has been influenced by his life in some way. Something I think about is that if I wanted to be the best painter I could possibly be, I would probably find the best painter in history to pattern after, maybe Leonardo da Vinci. If I wanted to create a really cool computer company, 
I would probably follow Steve Jobs. Plus, I don't know, apples are my favorite fruit, so that sort of makes sense. If I wanted to live the best life I possibly could, not just a good life, not even just a great life, but the best life, I would try to find someone who lived life perfectly. The only person I know of who has done that is Jesus. If you heard something today you're curious about, you have questions on, or you simply want to learn how to apply the message that Jesus gave us to your own life, I invite you to reach out. You can contact us just by going to our page at befundbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. I'll see you on the next episode.